From NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News, this is the Lone Star Politics Podcast. I'm Chris Blake. The Texas legislative session may have ended three weeks ago, but the battle over voting rights is still front and center. 16 state lawmakers went to Washington last week to meet with national Democratic leaders about passing federal voting legislation. Locally, Arlington Mayor Jeff Williams has just days left in his term. He could not run again due to term limits. He'll join us to look back at his six years in office. And finally, State Representative Julie Johnson is the member of the Texas House LGBTQ Caucus and will join Julie Fine and Gromer Jeffers to talk about Pride Month. Before we get started, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the Lone Star Politics Podcast. It helps us grow the show and helps others find it. Those Texas Democrats went to Washington this week and met with Vice President Kamala Harris, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer in the wake of their efforts to kill Texas Senate Bill 7. That bill would limit early voting hours, give poll watchers more authority, and get rid of drive through voting. Texas Democrats killed the bill on the penultimate night of the session, walking out of the state capitol to prevent a vote. However, Texas Governor Greg Abbott has said he will call a special session to address the bill. The Texas lawmakers talked with party leaders about passing federal voting legislation, the For the People Act, a comprehensive voting rights bill that would counteract some elections bills passed at the state level across the country this year. State Representative Jessica Gonzalez, a Dallas Democrat, was among those who traveled to the nation's capital. Here she is with Julian Gromer. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. You just heard Governor Abbott, who says elections legislation is needed. So with the Democrats and the minority in the House and Senate, what really are your options? Well, we're hoping that that uh, it'll be a bipartisan uh, piece of legislation. However, we know um, that in the Texas House, we had a very difficult time uh, with with, you know, keeping us in the conversation uh, as far as, you know, Republicans who were drafting this bill. And so we're just hopeful that we'll get some input and we'll get some kind of idea on when the governor's planning on calling us back for a special session. And, and Representative, you are vice vice chairwoman of the Elections Committee, committee so you, got, you play a key role. But speaking of your options, at the end of the session, Democrats walked out to stop the bill. Are Democrats in the House prepared to walk out again, given that breaking quorum may be the only way you can stop this bill? Well, I mean, it's too soon. It's too soon to, to say that that's that we're going to use a nuclear option. Uh, but again, I mean, we have to consider every tool in our toolbox. You just came back from D.C. after meeting with Vice President Harris. What did she say? Kind of pull the curtain back for us. What was the meeting like? It was a roundtable listening session for the vice president. Uh, you know, she's been keeping up with what's going on around in other states. And, you know, and a lot of it was just, was uh, giving her an insight on what's really happening in Texas and it was a very engaging conversation. She asked a lot of questions. Uh, she recognized the broad coalition that we built here in Texas uh, to help make this happen and to bring this conversation uh, to a national level. And so we really appreciate uh, the White House um, putting Texas in the national spotlight. Do you feel that she really you know, understood your need, as you discuss, for federal legislation? Yes, I mean, it was apparent that the vice president and, and the administration is not only focused on a federal solution to voting rights, but also closely tracking uh, what is happening um, at a state level. Uh, Representative, let me let me ask you, let's let's go back to a, a potential special session. You talked earlier about a potential compromise. What does that look like? What is it about the proposal that you you just recently killed? What aspects of it do you want removed that would make a bill 
acceptable to Democrats? Well, I mean, it's 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 hard to say uh, because I mean, as you saw during session, uh, you know, there were provisions in in the in the final bill that came to the floor um, where there were provisions in there that that never even went through. Uh, through committee or never got vetted in committee, never gave uh, you know uh, uh, committee members an opportunity to ask questions, never gave the opportunity for witnesses to ask questions to see how it would ultimately affect um, Texans. And so, really, that that's that's the main thing that I think that that you know we want to message across uh, to you know to our colleagues on the other side of the aisle is giving us an opportunity to maybe meet somewhere in the middle. Uh, we, you know, we, we may not love the bill in its entirety. But if we can get some kind of input in regards to what our main concerns are, I mean, we saw provisions in the bill that that limited or basically thwarted, uh, you know, the the souls to the polls um, efforts that have been going that have been you know going on for for years and years and years, and and provisions like that 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 you know um, that that target a certain community, um, that that's just going to hurt Texans. And as in terms of federal help, are you talking about the For the People Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act? provisions that could help, you know, restore pre-clearance pre requirements and things like that, set federal guidelines for elections? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, ab okay. yes I mean, absolutely. There, there needs to be a national solution uh, to ensure that, that every eligible voter um, is able to, 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 to vote uh, without being harassed or intimidated. Switching topics here, Governor Abbott announced this week his intention to begin building a wall on the Texas-Mexico border. Your reaction to that? Well, I wish that the governor would focus on ensuring the stability of our electric grid, because clearly it was not addressed during session, because ERCOT is asking folks to, to conserve energy energy right now when it's we know it's hot, and this is only the beginning of the summer. Uh, so, I mean, instead of defunding our police and our criminal justice system, these resources should be used to make sure that, that no more people die because of, the, of our power grid uh, a failure on them. Now, the governor, the Republican, and Republicans hold the House and the Senate in Texas. So talk about this project. I mean, the governor is determined to build that wall between Texas and Mexico. Well, I mean, again, it's unfortunate that, you know, there were a lot of a lot of problems that were never addressed during session. And instead of focusing on some of these issues, these real issues that Texas need that need to be the, uh, that need to be addressed. We're focusing on some of these issues that are that are obviously very, very divisive. Representative, is there a need to deal with increased border crossings and, and border security? And if so, how would you do it? I, I don't. I personally don't believe so. I mean, I think that our resources should be used elsewhere, um, especially when Texans are still suffering from the global pandemic. They're still suffering from the failure of our power grid. State Representative Jessica Gonzalez, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time, especially after your trip this week. Jim Ross was elected mayor of Arlington earlier this month, defeating Michael Gillespie in a runoff election. Ross will replace Jeff Williams, who was elected in 2015. Three years ago, Arlington voters elected to impose term limits on city leaders. No one can serve more than three two-year terms consecutively. Arlington is the third largest city in North Texas, and in his time in office, Williams saw the Texas Rangers open a new ballpark as the city continues to grow into a sports and entertainment hub for the region. Here's Jeff Williams with Julian Gromer to look back at his six years as mayor. This morning, outgoing Mayor Jeff Williams joins us. Thank you so much for being here. Great to be here with you. You leave after six years as mayor of Arlington. Looking back, what was the high point of your time in office? 
Well, without a doubt, to see how hard our citizens have worked on each of our major objectives, all the way from moving ahead on public transportation here to our kindness campaign and our unity uh, there, in fact, our Unity Council just got through uh, there, but also for us to move out uh, there and bringing new businesses in and helping our existing businesses. Uh, and then, of course, uh, it's always reported on our, our entertainment district, but uh, that is certainly tourism has grown. But I'm, I'm very pleased, too, about how our citizens responded during the pandemic and, and what a great job that our fire department and medical department did uh, here in leading us through uh, a, really a terrible natural disaster. Mayor, uh, what's left to be done? What, what do you feel like is still the biggest challenge facing your city? Gromer, in a, in a community uh, like ours, uh, there, there are always so much to get done. In fact, I often say every time we make an achievement, there are 30 other things to work on. But I will say I am uh, excited about where we're at because Arlington has risen to the top and uh, one of the top cities in the nation in technology and innovation. In fact, we were awarded the What Works Cities and Innovation and the only city in Texas to receive that and one of only eight in the nation. We have a great city manager uh, here who works hard with our staff and a great staff, and we have been the best-run city in, in Texas now for three years in a row. And then we are going to continue uh, here to go after businesses and to help our businesses because we all know that jobs are key to success uh, in a community. But, Gromer, in really answer to your question, I think coming out of the pandemic, our economic recovery task force identified that healthcare and uh, and being a healthy and fit city is is such an important goal and and one that uh, I think that uh, this new council and new mayor will be working on. And then I, I'm so proud of the strides that we've made in education and and certainly our school districts, our private schools, and and then the University of Texas at Arlington and Tarrant County Community College, all are, are great organizations. And I really expect there to be more to be done in that. And I'm so anxious for our citizens uh, to be able to send their students uh, to in-person school and because uh, we are moving out of this pandemic. I spoke to Jim Ross, who will replace you. He tells me he will also call on you as he navigates the new job. So will you still be involved in some way? Well, uh, you know, I've been here 30 years uh, there, and I certainly will be ready to help. Uh, I'm excited about a man like Jim Ross who wants to make a difference and not just be somebody. Uh, and that I think that's a real key thing in the world today because I think that's a, a game changer when you have someone who comes in to want to make a difference in your community. And certainly uh, I'm very proud of what all we have done and the strides we've made. Uh, but as I mentioned earlier, there's always more to be done. You've seen growth in entertainment. Uh, how does the city, in the entertainment district, how does the city grow in other areas, sort of get a more diversified economy? Well, uh, Gromer, that question is one that gets my blood to boiling ah. because uh, Interstate 20 corridor has thousands of new jobs coming, and it has become our number one job corridor. And while people weren't looking, uh, Arlington has risen to the top in job creation. Uh, 
In addition to that, we've gone into Great Southwest Industrial District, and many of those old warehouses have been gutted, and we now have vibrant business in them, like Strawman that makes dental implants, LaRocco that does uh, jet sensors uh, for Blackhawk helicopters. Uh, we have Skyline Sector 5 that actually did the uh, uh, Harry Potter ride animation. Uh, there on it. So we have literally created thousands of jobs. Another illustration of that is our manufacturing sector. You know, uh, it's been well publicized that we had a $1.4 billion expansion in General Motors uh, there, and stay tuned, there will be more. But we also went after manufacturers from Canada and Mexico and brought them in to the old Six Flags Mall site where we had demolished the mall and created a vibrant manufacturing sector that is, has created 2,000 jobs. So we have a very vibrant manufacturing area, industrial distribution uh, there. And then while uh, people weren't looking either, our Highlands and uh, Town Center and the Parks Mall have risen to be the third largest shopping area in the Metroplex. We appreciate you joining us. You've always come on our show and chatted with us, so thank you for doing it. Well, I've got to say that I'm looking forward to the future. Uh, so proud of uh, the citizens of Arlington. They've been dreaming big, and they've been making things a reality. And, uh, and it's great to live here in North Texas because the, the outlook is so bright and people do work together. And so I am uh, going to be moving over to the National Medal of Honor Museum, where I'm going to be helping start the Leadership Institute. And then I'm also going to be a major proponent uh, as an engineer for transportation and technology as part of the Tarrant County uh, Transportation Coalition. And then I still have an engineering firm that I own. So uh, looking forward here to uh, continuing to make a difference here in the North Texas area. Mayor, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thank you. June is Pride Month, and in 2019, five women formed the Texas Legislature's first LGBTQ caucus. The founding group includes two local lawmakers, Jessica Gonzalez, who we heard from earlier, and State Representative Julie Johnson, a Democrat from Carrollton. Johnson was elected to the State House in 2018 and represents a Dallas County district that includes parts of Addison, Carrollton, Capel, Dallas, Farmers Branch, Irving, and Louisville. Here she is with Julian Gromer. Representative Johnson, thanks so much for being with us. It's my absolute pleasure. I'm thrilled to be here. And you are back now. You are the treasurer of the LGBTQ caucus. You are back in the area after being in Austin and you're back for Pride Month. Yes, you know, it was a really tough session. And uh, you know, one of the hardest sessions, I think, uh, in a long time. And it was, it was just very, a lot of battles were fought. And on the LGBTQ front, you know, a lot of bills were filed. Uh, that would have really negatively impacted the LGBTQ community. And I'm really pleased that this is one of the first sessions in a long time that not a single LGBT bill uh, was passed that would negatively affect our community. So we worked really, really hard as a caucus uh, to make sure that that happened. And I'm thrilled with that outcome. Representative, there were some dramatic moments uh, in that fight. You, you, you alluded to uh, basically the transgender sports bill um, that would that could have gone either way, but you guys really got in there and, and fought fought hard. Talk about how 
what it took to, to basically push back against legislation that your, your, the folks in the Senate and Dan Patrick were really, really trying to, to make into law. Right. Well, you know, they filed over 30 anti-LGBTQ bills this session, ranging from uh, restriction of the transgender kids in sports to allowing medical providers to deny treatment to LGBTQ people based on their religious beliefs uh, to a number of other issues. And, uh, you know, we as a caucus are stronger. You know, we added Ann Johnson, so we've added a member uh, of our caucus. And we worked really, really hard. And we had a lot of meetings and one-on-one -on -one conversations with our colleagues to explain how hateful uh, this legislation is. And we were really successful in stopping it. And I'm really pleased. It's one of the positive outcomes of this session for me. There has been a lot of attention to the walkout over the elections bill. But I'm told that there were discussions to potentially walk out on the sports transgender bill if that's what it took to defeat it. Is that true? You know, uh, I think, yes, there certainly were discussions about that. Uh, I don't think the commitment to break quorum on that bill was as strong as it was for the voting rights bill, quite frankly. Uh, I think that the, the tenor of the floor and the feel of the floor was that we were going to be allowed to use all the tools in our toolbox on debate and floor strategy uh, to defeat that bill and you know a quorum break wasn't going to be necessary and that is exactly what happened you know we were able to okay. really have an aggressive floor strategy we worked hard all day long uh, to make sure that we were going to be able to kill that bill and we were successful in that and then you know with the, the on the voting rights bill that quorum break was a necessary tool we had to employ you know they were going to use a nuclear option of cutting off debate a time-honored tradition in the legislative process to be able to debate a piece of legislation. They were going to cut our voices short, and so we had to use that tool uh, to respond. Representative, there was also a bill regarding transgender children that could have come up on the last night to pass House bills, but it didn't. Right, right. You know, it never made it out of calendars, and it never got set. Um, uh, we were you know, that bill was particularly hateful uh, to transgender children and families. And, you know, I'm so pleased that, uh, you know, it never made it past where it got, you know, it, it got a hearing. And I think in that hearing, it realized the, the, the devastating harmful effects that that bill would have on those families. And so I'm pleased that that, that, that did not get any further. And I think the, the most, the bill that had the most support was the transgender sports bill, but obviously, that didn't pass either. So, Representative Johnson, after the, I mean, before the 2020 elections, there was uh, an anticipation or, or hope with, you know, among Democrats that you could take the House. I believe you were even a, a candidate for speaker in case that happened, right? Uh, but it didn't. What What is it like now uh, being in the and the, still in the party of the minority, is it all about playing defense? Are there any wins you can point to other than playing defense? I mean, what do you think the role of Democrats are now? Well, obviously the election of 2020 didn't yield the results that many of us had hoped for. And, but that's what happens when the Democrats pretty much abandoned their superpower, which is a ground game. And uh -huh. you know, most, most Democratic candidates did not meaningfully block walk. I did, 
in my campaign and I won by a higher margin than I had won the, the previous cycle. So I definitely think it's important that we get out and block walk and talk to voters. And that is where Democrats have always excelled. You know, Republicans typically have more funding but Democrats have a better ground game. And then the 2020 cycle, frankly, we conceded the ground game. Uh, due to COVID, we had a lot of concerns about COVID interactions and a lot of candidates didn't walk. That's gonna be very different in the 2022 cycle. Uh, I think that uh, Democrats really learned their lesson and are gonna double down on a field program and a ground game and hopefully make some changes and improvements in the balance of power in the house of the 2022 section. Uh, but yes, the 2020, this past legislative session was all about defense. And it was a very, very hard session because of that. Well, in 2019, I think you saw it was a lot of education. I felt like 2019, there was a lot of big education bills passed for the state and more bipartisanship, whereas this time it, it seemed a little bit different. Right. Well, in 2018, in that cycle, when I was elected, we had a watershed moment. Voters spoke and they demanded that the legislature focus on public education and not bathroom bills. And when we flipped 12 seats and materially changed the balance of power in the House, we actually got something done for the people. And it was a remarkable uh, session and it was a great to be part of that. Unfortunately, what we saw in the 2020 election was unfulfilled expectations for Democrats. And as a result, Republicans became emboldened and empowered in their own mind to pass very conservative uh, legislative issues. And I think what's gonna happen, you'll see in the 2022 cycle, is uh, the voters and the electorate is gonna rebound. They want healthcare and they want our grid fix. Neither one of those things we addressed in this session. And I, I feel like we're going to have uh, Democrats going to be in a really good position in 2022 because the legislature um, chose to do very conservative, very divisive, unpopular uh, priorities as opposed to fixing the things that Texans want, health care and the grid. When you look at what's happened in North Texas for Democrats over the past 20 years, it's been astounding. Um, Dallas County used to be a reliably red Republican County, the home of, uh, now the home of George W. Bush, but you probably remember what it was like before Democrats took control in 2006. What can statewide Democrats learn from what happened in Dallas County and, and Harris County as well, uh, and apply to winning statewide races? And I know that the rural areas are strongholds for Republicans in that place, a factor in it, but is there anything that Dems are doing here that can be a lesson for Democrats at large statewide? Um, yes, I think for one, you should never take voters for granted. Uh, I think statewide candidates uh, don't spend enough time uh, talking to uh, voters throughout the state. They concentrate in areas. I think we as Democrats need to do a better job of, of communicating sound policies that, that make people wanna get out and vote. And, but we need to have our ground game. We need to go out and talk to voters. That is what we do. And what you've seen in Dallas County is campaigns like mine. I flipped a seat and I did that by knocking, you know, an incredible amount of doors and talking to an incredible amount of people. And when you actually are willing to put the work in, 
to go talk to people, look in the whites of their eyes, talk about your ideas and how it can make your lives better, then they're gonna go vote. And I think statewide candidates can't just rely on TV advertising to do that. You gotta get out and actually talk to people. However, you know, there are some Democrats that didn't have as strong of a ground game did win in other states. So do you feel the Texans were sending a message in this one? Hey, we saw what happened in 2019 and we want, you know, we want to flip things or keep things red moving forward. No, because if you look at the numbers, the, the electorate is tighter, even in the 2020 cycle, you know, the presidential margin in Texas was only five points, you know, in 2016, it was much higher than that. And in 2012, it was much higher than that. So the, the gap is definitely shrinking. And we only missed flipping the Texas House by 11,500 votes out of millions of votes cast. So, you know, that's a very slim margin. And, and that was without any ground game at all. So I think that we would have had a very different electoral outcome had Texans, had the Democrats actually gone door to door and knocked doors and talked to voters in person like we have always historically done. Uh, so no, I don't think that. I think a lot of people interpreted that because there was a lot of hype, a lot of expectations about Democrats' performance in 2020. But quite frankly, you know, we made some tactical errors. We put a lot of money on TV and I just don't, yeah. I just don't think that that gets it done, you know? And so you can, people, Republicans are going to want to try to claim that as the moral authority to do what they did this session. But I think that they're going to regret a lot of the votes that they took and a lot of the initiatives that they pushed, as opposed to focusing on the issues that Texans wanted. This electrical outcome, the electrical storm and people freezing to death. And now with the grid almost failing on Monday at hundred over hundred plus degrees temperatures, that is serious. It is real and Texans are mad that the legislature didn't fix it. Who would you like to see as your party's nominee for governor? <laughs> you know, I don't know. A grower's not putting you on the spot or anything, you know. <laughs> I know, you know, I think fortunately we have a lot of really great talented uh, people. Uh, who could step up and it's going to be interesting to see who actually does and I look forward I, I actually hope we have choices you know I hope we have a primary and I hope we have an opportunity to vet different candidates and give um, folks a choice and really have an opportunity to debate democratic ideas and select a strong nominee because we really I think are poised to do well in 2022 but we need to have somebody who can communicate a clear message uh, so that people could read that re that resonates with people and people can understand and make them want to go vote. Maybe you. <laughs> oh, Do all state that. reps want to grow up and be governor? <laughs> 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 you know, I, I don't think that that time is bright for me right now. All right. Okay. <laughs> Rome, we're always asking those put you on the spot questions. Representative, we would expect nothing less. I know it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I ask. Whatever Grummer asks seems to be fine, no matter what. It's so fun. Right. Uh, Representative, we totally appreciate you. Thank, Thank you. you so much for um, spending some time with us during this month, especially. Oh, absolutely. And thanks for having me. And thanks for highlighting pride. You know, it's a it's an important time. Uh, we, you know, one of the things that's great about our society is we take the moment to highlight historical events that really pushed our society and our culture forward, just like Pride and just like Juneteenth this Saturday. You know, it's, and it's great that we honor that. And it's great that the media and people like you take the time to recognize the importance and the significance that it has in our society. And I thank you for that.
And, and Representative, speaking of changing political tides, right? What's going on in the LGBTQ community? It's been astounding when you think about even during the beginning of the Obama era, right? What's mm -hmm. happened from then until now related to those issues is, is really been fascinating to watch. The mood of the country been. has changed. Yeah, it really has. And it's, it's, it's been a movement that has proceeded on rocket docket uh, kind of time, time place. And I just think it goes to the testament to the, to the, the rightness of what we see, which is equality um, and not to be discriminated against and for our individual lives and our families to be valued just like everyone else. And, uh, you know, we're not asking for anything more than that. We just want the right to live our lives in peace with full rights of happiness and for our children to grow up proud of their parents, proud of their families, and to be able to live full lives. And I think that's what every parent wants for all of their kids. And that's what every kid and every family deserves. Representative, thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Y'all have a great day. Thanks to state reps Jessica Gonzalez and Julie Johnson and Mayor Jeff Williams for joining the show this week. You can stay up to date with everything related to Texas politics at NBCDFW.com slash Lone Star Politics. We'll talk to you next week.